than I thought existed, a compendium of bow ties in his closet. Bangs gelled up and bleached just so. Jason is gay to the point of cliché, which I pointed out to him over beer one night, though he disagreed. I'm Chinese-American. Cliché would be me tutoring you in math. The new medical student, Tom, hasn't picked up a chart yet. He watches us running around like beheaded chickens and yawns. I like to play a little game, figuring out which fields the medical students are headed into, which I can usually guess in the first five minutes. This one? Surgeon, for sure. Zoe? Jason calls out to me. You've got the new one? Which one, Tiffany? No, he says. The transfer, Volano. Oh, the one from Syracuse. Yep, I got her. I answer, grabbing her enormous chart, which tumbles open. Dr. Grant's special present for me. Jason guffaws, cracking open his own charts. He sure does love you. Ah, yes, such is my lot, I answer, flipping through her chart. It's obvious Dr. Grant doesn't like me, though I can't figure out why. It could be the Yale thing, but then again, maybe not could be a lot of things. Could be that I don't like him, and being a psychiatrist extraordinaire, he senses this. Footsteps thump down the hall as Dr. Grant appears in the doorway. Beads of sweat mix into the curly hair at his temples from walking up ten flights of stairs. In my opinion, anyone who walks up ten flights of stairs on a daily basis needs a psychiatrist. Dr. Grant is wearing gray pants with a thin pinstripe and a checkered blue shirt, a combination that suggests his closet light burned out. He is a small, slight man. I could crush him in a thumbsy war. Ready to round? He asks. We file out of the cramped nurse's station, and the medical student strides over to shake his hand. Kevin, he says. Kevin, Tom... Same thing. We stack the charts into the metal rolling cart, and then Jason pushes it, clattering down the hallway. We pass by gray-blue walls, sometimes more blue than gray, sometimes more gray than blue, depending on the soot. The floor tiles are an atrocious teal blue. The approval committee was either colorblind or on mushrooms. Dented and scraped from years of residence and food carts rattling down the hall. All right, first victim, Dr. Grant says, stopping just outside the room. Dr. Grant always calls the patients victims when we round. I haven't taken the time to analyze this, but it does seem peculiar. To his credit, he says it quietly, at least, so the already paranoid patients don't get any ideas. Mr. Wisnowski, who's got this one? This is my patient, sir, answers Dr. A., He calls everyone, sir. Okay, go ahead and present. Mr. Wisnowski is a 49-year-old Caucasian gentleman with a long-standing history of depression. He was found unresponsive by his wife after overdosing on Ambien. How many pills? 30 pills, sir. He took one month's dose. He was taken by the EMT to the ER, where he underwent gastric lavage and quickly recovered. Meds? Dr. Grant asks. Prozac, 40 milligrams QD. 
He's been on multiple SSRIs before without success, but had reportedly been feeling better on Prozac. So, why did he try to kill himself? Dr. Grant glances around and zeroes in on me, as usual. Dr. Goldman? I'm still not used to the doctor thing, telling nurses, just call me Zoe. The problem is, I answer, Prozac actually was effective. Kevin is chewing a large piece of pink gum, which smells of strawberry. I can tell Dr. Grant is feeling the stress of ignoring this. Tell us what you mean by that, Dr. Goldman. Oftentimes, a patient is most at risk for suicide when there is some improvement in functionality, I explain. They finally have the wherewithal to commit suicide. That's right, he admits, though it pains him. We all head into the room, but it is empty. The patient.